Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. All right, we get rolling right now as a big show on tap. John Adams will join us as he usually does during the week, and we appreciate that when he's not on a vacation or two. So we'll talk to John Adams Tennessee doesn't wait long to replace a couple of coaches that departed in the coaching, I guess, coaching transfer portal. Should we call it that nowadays? Tennessee already with two replacements. We'll tell you why they are significant. Also, hiring coaches from within your program. Penny Hardaway, Juwan Howard come to mind. And we're going to talk some Lady Vols and get John's thoughts on hiring from within your program's history. Is that the right thing to do not necessarily all the time the scariest thing on the Vols schedule scariest game I should say not named Georgia so here we go off and running John Adams will join us very shortly Caleb Calhoun how are you sir I'm good how are you doing Dave I'm well and the poll question today is uh here we go it is uh two birthdays today uh what birthday gal guy would you most want to kick it with Cindy Crawford or Charles Barkley. I will just throw in there, just for you that may be curious, Cindy Crawford is 58, Charles Barkley is 61. Who are you kicking it with? 
where am I hanging out with Cindy Crawford is the question. Yeah, uh, you, you have the choice. I mean, like, if I could hang out in a private pool with Cindy Crawford, I mean, I'm I'm taking Cindy Crawford in the private pool. Um, I am married. I am married. I don't really mean that, Jordan, in case you're watching. I'm not it's serious. But... Terrible. It's at 50-50 right now. It would rather be Barkley because I think good-looking women would be around. So I'm going to go Barkley, and I think he's really funny. So we've got a ton to get to on the program today. Let's uh, discuss quickly before we get to the Vols upgrading their staff with uh, John Adams. Were you surprised that Tennessee, with a couple of quick hires, decided to move as quickly as they did because uh, I, I I wasn't sure, but I didn't think they'd move quite that quick. So what did you think about uh, Tennessee moving quickly on hires? Yeah, I was actually next level shocked that they moved as quickly as they did to replace Jerry Mack and Brian Jean-Marie. Brian Jean-Marie, I know. I'm sorry, guys. It's a bad habit to say Jean-Marie, but Brian Jean-Marie. Um, I thought they, I was actually relatively shocked, particularly since they didn't promote with from within particularly since they went out and hired people from elsewhere, uh, you would think that would take more due diligence, but it's almost like they had guys ready to go, um, which I wouldn't think they'd be prepared for that. So yeah, no, I was, I was next level shocked and particularly shocked that they did them both in a day. It's kind of the opposite to me, quite frankly, of the Super Bowl when nobody knew the overtime rules you have to be prepared. I think that one team was prepared in the Super Bowl. I think another team was prepared to lose coaches. And you have to have, I call it the bus list. You have to have that bus list at all time. If you're a person in a leadership position, whether you're the AD thinking about, could Josh Heupel one day leave? Could something happen to him? You got to think the same way about each and every one of your coaches. And what I was told is that Tim Banks was uber aggressive over the weekend and that he's a large reason that one got done and there's a major impact as as to the ingle hire yeah so what you're saying is that tim binks is the anti-kyle shanahan in that in that regard i think i am i think i just said that i didn't mean to but i think i just said that you know kyle shanahan i didn't know that we by the way the 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 worst excuse he said was like he didn't he kind of Loki admitted that he didn't realize they'd get the ball again or that, that uh, he didn't, he didn't think about what to do going on defense last week. So yeah, totally unprepared. Tim Binks was totally prepared. Give him all the credit in the world for this. This does seem like Tim Binks moves because it was on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm going to give him a lot of credit on this guys. I, I tell you this all the time. I, I don't think many people because they see this team and the way it's designed, they're not aware of how, much of how well Tim Banks is in control on defense and how much he knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. Yep. Let's bring him in right now. John Adams, the one, the only of the Knoxville news Sentinel. He is the legend. John, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Dave. Thanks for the intro. Good. Hey, uh, by John, the way, okay, yes, sorry, I'll let no, go, go. I was John, just going to ask really simple. It's uh, Charles Barkley and Cindy Crawford's birthday. If you could kick it with one throughout the day, who would it be? and hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, in my age, uh, Charles, Charles Barkley. It's sad. <laughs> I think 49 is the official over under where you're like, he'd be pretty funny, wouldn't he? But like <laughs> two, five years ago, maybe I would have thought something else. All right, Caleb, where were you going? Let's talk some Tennessee coaches eventually. 
Well, I wanted John to fit because we just talked about it. And I meant to ask John this last week, but John, before we get going, you got to remind me because you know we love to do our football IQ segment. The Kyle Shanahan not knowing what to do in overtime. It reminded me of the LSU coach that didn't know you have to defer. Was that Curly Hallman who didn't know that, or was that the one before him? Well, I'm sure Curly Hallman didn't know. <laughs> but i can't you are... say that he was the one uh, yeah there's no question he wouldn't know <laughs> but i can think of a number of lsu coaches that wouldn't have known surely uh, surely les miles didn't know there's no way he knew that no there's no chance well, you well, who, was the coach who, def- who was the you coach who right kick now off? you could ask him les miles and right now ed orgeron do not know the overtime rules in the no. nfl or college or little league for that matter no. no, my question, though, was who was the coach that didn't know that when you win the coin toss, you have to choose to defer, not to kick off? Well, I thought that was an LSU. Oh, coach that, oh, that was the story I was telling you. Jerry Stovall, he didn't know that. Oh, he didn't know that. That happened to me with a player in an indoor football game. Um, and he didn't. He had never started, even at the collegiate level. So he had never been asked to be a captain to make the decision. So he goes, we'll kick. And... <laughs> Yay! And and guess who was the color commentator before we get into the scariest game on uh, Tennessee's schedule and also did the Vols upgrade their staff? But guess who was my color commentator because of travel concerns? John, care to take a guess? Uh, He was on the radio recently doing a Vols broadcast. He had nothing to do with football whatsoever. He's seven feet tall. Steve Hamer. Yes, we did a little Tennessee Thundercats broadcast together. Thoughts? Uh, I'm sure you achieved great heights. Yes, we'd better than that uh, quarterback who just kept kicking the ball around. All right, here we go. Did the Vols upgrade their staff? Want to dig into that with John? Uh, we have William Engel, Darrell Sims. Um, here's a couple of guys that replace, quite frankly, guys that. I don't want to sound like I'm being mean to either one of these fellas. And, that means you're being mean. Yeah. And <laughs> and John Marie or um or or Willie here, but uh, I, I wasn't blown away by either one of them when I did my research, their exit research interview. Um, what did you think about those two guys as a loss in and of themselves? Dave, I really have no idea because um uh, Assistant coaches, I just think it's really hard to discern who's a good coach. You can always, it's easy to evaluate offense. You can look at our defensive coordinators, you can look at stats, but these position coaches, I just don't know. I mean, you can, when they list coaches, okay, these are their recruits. That's one way, but that's recruiting. That, that doesn't tell you anything about coaching. I have no idea. And you can't always tell. I mean, if somebody's a really good running backs coach, I mean, Seriously, if you're giving the ball to an elite running back, uh, Najee Harris, Derrick Henry, somebody like that, uh, you can be a pretty good running backs coach. Hand you the ball and point toward the goal line. That's pretty much it. Run, run to the green. That's basically <laughs> see, the, 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 the coaching, that uh, running backs cross coach's cross? best phrase, run to the green. Yeah, John, I, I I honestly feel exactly the same way. I don't think there's any art to coaching running backs at all. I think they're usually typically just recruiters on the staff. Yeah, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Although Philip Former did name a running backs coach as David Cutcliffe's successor, not to throw shots, but uh, he did do that in 1999. Um, but uh, I was Randy Sanders was a running backs coach <laughs> beforehand. Um, the thing I wanted to get to with this with running backs and linebackers coaches, though, isn't it a little bit valuable that the doesn't it speak to Heupel and the staff that they were so ready to replace these guys that, you know, it was done within a week, wasn't really that hard of a move. And there was a lot more. I feel like these guys bring a lot more variety of experience to the positions. Does that count for anything or am I just grasping at straws? Uh, you're grasping at straws, but uh, that could be true. <laughs> I, 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 no, I mean, I just, you know, I do like uh, which uh, uh, which position is Derail coaching? Is he coaching the running backs? Yeah, he's coaching running backs. That's awesome because I think of headlines: Tennessee's running game derailed. <laughs> what about just railed? No. Wow, Dave. Why do you have to be such a pessimist, John? No, it could be just, just no, no, that just doesn't work. Horses. Dave, do you do you do you know what? Okay, never mind. Never mind. You shouldn't I, I don't know if Dave knows that you should be saying railed in a in a in a family friendly oh, podcast. Sorry. Bad. I didn't think of it like that. I'm not uh, like you. I have well, I don't know. I mean, words now there are so bastardized the languages. I, I don't know what what kind of words you're going to come up you with and, next. Let's as, just say a hooker next... should not be talking about getting railed. Yeah. You and Gary Danielson, <laughs> the only two uh, adult men I know that have used the word bastardized. But anyway, portions of the program brought to you by Don Self State Farm. Don Self Service still matters. Customer service, 40 years in experience. They built their business on uh, and reputation on caring for their customers. Google in College Dale and Oodlewa, donself.net, right below. Donself.net, 423-396-2126. 423-396-2126. Caleb and I were discussing that the coaches you most want to not lose are, of course, Josh Heupel, right? And then I think you would go Tim Banks because I like how his defense complements Heupel's offense. And then I think you would go Garner. To me, those are the top three that you would not want to lose. What do you make of those three coaches as as ones that Tennessee just can't lose, John. Well, uh, yeah, obviously Josh Heupel, um, Tim Banks. You're right about his defense does complement what Heupel does offensively. A lot of people don't think that's sufficient. Um, so I don't know. Maybe Tennessee. I think Rodney Garner. Uh, just because how long he's been doing this. And I think defensive line is an important position. He can coach that. He he has a great track record as a recruiter. Uh, if you look at resume, I would I would go with uh, Rodney Garner right behind Josh Heupel. I yeah. know he doesn't have the same impact maybe on game day as, as a coordinator might, but He's a really strong recruiter and his defense, he he usually knows what a good, you know, he, he can recognize talent at that position. Caleb, and we probably sold Mike Eckler a little bit short. I think we do that with a guy who jumps around on the sidelines a lot. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's not a, a great, ingenious, intuitive head coach as well. And he is one of Tennessee's best recruiters. As far as a recruiter, you are right. But I mean, we talked about this last week. Yeah, it's um, the ingenious that got you, wasn't it? 
Well, it's the okay. You talk about ru- coaching yeah. running backs. I feel the same about coaching edge rushers. Hey, run around the edge and go tackle the quarterback. I'm like, is there a lot of coaching when you're coaching edge rushers? Like, did Mike Eckler teach James Pierce how to go rush the quarterback? <laughs> or does James? Well, no. As a matter of fact, that's do. even if you talk to some coaches, that's even easier than running backs because they don't even care if you put your hand on the ground or not. They don't care your pre-snap stance. Just go do it. Uh, they don't have to be taught a, a swim move. No, they don't have to be taught a swim move. I mean, the dudes from the edge can just go get it. That's that's what it's all about. Just go I get know it. They just they come out of the bo- blocks faster than anybody else. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Is it pretty much? Is so is Tennessee staff better in mid to late February than it was before? Or do we really <laughs> even know? John alluded to the fact everything is so incredibly covered up nowadays it's hard to know what impact i mean do you remember john back in the day when we did features on all the assistant coaches that lane kiffin hired so i knew who was recruiting where i have a good idea but i don't know intricately who's recruiting each young man now how well read do you think those uh, stories were i think they did quite well mine did i don't know about that uh drew guy <laughs> I did really well. Uh, Caleb, I mean, do we know, and we're, we're going to bring this up later, but do we know how hurt Tennessee was, uh, if at all, hurt in recruiting through two changeovers in less than a week? Gun to my head, I think it was better. I think it's improved. Um, I don't think there's much that matters with running backs, but William Inge is a very well, so I can't speak from going from Jerry Mack to Darius, uh, I'm sorry, Darrell Sims, um, but William Ng, he has a really good track record as a defensive coach, and he has a lot of experience, and he has a specifically good track record coaching linebackers. And I think we all agree that the inside linebackers have not developed the way we felt like they should have the last couple of years. So I think that, I I think, shot in the dark, that has to be an upgrade. And so just by that nature alone and by running backs coach not really mattering, I think it was an upgrade overall in the staff. Yep. And are we going with Ing or Inge, just for the record? Ing? I think Ing's better. I like Inge personally. I like Ing because he drives through Compton and then he gets to Inglewood. So that's the Long Beach, Inglewood. See, there you go. What about that? Wow. Wow. California love. Okay. Hit hit that that like and subscribe button. John is probably a huge Tupac fan. John loves Tupac. As a matter of fact, I watched. John, were you at the Super Bowl where they had uh, Tupac? Uh, not Tupac, he's dead. Uh, but they had Dr. Dre and they had Snoop Doggy Dog. I watched that last night, by the way. I could have been at that Super Bowl, but I don't remember them. I'm sure they did very well. <laughs> Your best Super Bowl act that you ever saw was Rollins. Uh, Michael Jackson. He just stood there for like three minutes. I know. I really was impressed by that. <laughs> I mean, anybody anybody would come out there with 50 million people watching and just stand there for a couple of minutes. Yeah, and it's perfectly normal. That was impressive. Perfectly normal to take Emmanuel Lewis to an adult party as well. Uh, he's John Adams. I'm Dave Hooker with Caleb Calhoun. <laughs> 60 seconds. The show represented by Banks and Jones. And then coming up, uh, we're going to tell you Tennessee's scariest game on their schedule not named Georgia. 60 seconds from Banks and Jones. Hi, Banks and Jones. Well, it's because they're Tennessee's trial attorney. You can play to win with Banks and Jones because they'll go to trial. 
You've heard of other lawyers. They say they'll go to trial and fight for you. They won't. They just want to settle. That's the easiest way out. Well, that's not Banks and Jones, led by T. Scott Jones. They won't settle. They'll go to trial for you. Tennessee's trial attorney. They play to win. Truly, Tennessee's trial attorney when it comes to criminal defense or personal injury. Why settle? Banks and Jones. T. Scott Jones. Banksandjones.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right, John Adams, I'll begin with you. Tennessee's scariest game on the schedule, not named Georgia, is? I'll go with that uh, September matchup in Norman against Oklahoma. Uh, I'm not sure how good Oklahoma will be. I think it always will attain a certain level. The program is that good. Um, though you couldn't tell it in 22. Um, I, I guess the fact that it's on the road at a school where the fans turn out well and will pack the stadium would be pretty loud, I would think. Uh, just Tennessee's road record makes me wonder about that game. And I know Oklahoma's breaking in a new quarterback, uh, but Jackson Arnold passed for 361 yards in a bowl game. He also threw, threw three interceptions, but I see – a great potential with that guy. And I just think unless T- Tennessee's defenses improve markedly and maybe it will be, uh, they could have trouble in that game. John, I have not been to Norman, Oklahoma. I'm assuming you have throughout your travels. How difficult does that rank as, as, as far as places to play? Well, it, it, I was there for afternoon games. Both times I, Way back in the mid-80s, I covered Oklahoma-Nebraska game there. Quite a different environment than when Tennessee played there under Butch Jones. That was kind of like the Oklahoma people. They, the fans, though they packed the stadium, the fans seemed very congenial, uh, not hostile at all, kind of like Missouri fans when they first joined the league. And I think that was because, well, they knew they were going to beat Tennessee. And it just wasn't. But I think you get them in a big game atmosphere, and I think this will be a big game. I think Oklahoma fans will step up. I think it'll be a tough environment. All right, Caleb, what about you? The scariest game not named Georgia is? You know, I was going to come into this saying Oklahoma. Um, and I because uh, the biggest reason is because it's a road game. I, I'm with John. I don't really fully believe in Oklahoma as a team, but be, it being a road game made me want to say them. But then I'm like, I don't believe them as a team. And Tennessee plays Kent State the week before. So they'll really be preparing for Oklahoma for two weeks. So honestly, because of that, I think I still have to go Alabama. Even though it's at home. And even though I don't think Alabama is going to be as good as they have been in the past. And they should beat Alabama. I, it, It's not because of Alabama. It's because outside of Georgia, I can't see a game on the schedule that Tennessee should lose. Okay, I I don't think it's Alabama, and we're going to dive into that uh, topic here in just a little bit, what Alabama will do under Kalen DeBoer. Um, John, how winnable do you think that Alabama game is? I mean, a lot of the – and we're going to get into a lot of the big-picture macro issues that Alabama is having in this transition from Saban to DeBoer. A lot of those are going to take impact in 25, 26. Some will take impact this in in 2024, but – just from what Alabama has been through in this off season, 
how difficult of an opponent are they as compared to if Nick Saban's still pumping away and recruiting five-star prospects? Well, yeah. I mean, they do have a, a solid uh, base with uh, Saban's recruiting. But the fact that the game's in Neyland Stadium and Tennessee won two years ago there, the fans will be as revved up for that game as they were two years earlier as they were for the Georgia game last year. Uh, Neyland Stadium has become one of the best home field advantages in college college football. Didn't used to be there, even though it was uh, it had a large crowd, but it wasn't as vocal or as animated as the crowd is now. Um, I, I just think I, I really like that, maybe more so because of Tennessee's home field advantage. But I think Tennessee will be a better team, and uh, than it was last year. I'm not, it might even be as good as 22. Uh, and I just don't know about Alabama, but I don't really like what Alabama, Alabama has done in the transfer portal. I, I mean, you know, the way Nick Saban recruited there, he didn't need a lot of help in the transfer portal, but he did go out and get Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. And, and thank what that Alabama team, I guess that was the 22 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the the big play guy for Alabama, and Alabama didn't have that last year. Uh, and I don't know if it'll have it this year. Kalen DeBoer, when you look at offense, Washington to me last year was stronger in every area than Alabama will be um, will be this year under DeBoer. Yeah. And, and, and I get, are you saying that's a year to year thing or that that's you think well, that's oh I, I don't know, but I think Kalen DeBoer doesn't have SEC experience. And I love his his winning percentage is otherworldly. Uh but I can't I I think it, when it comes to recruiting, to you it helps sometimes to know what you're up against what you're up against in the SEC specifically. Kalen Bohr doesn't have that experience. And maybe guys that can win in, for you in other leagues uh, might not quite can pull it off in the SEC. And that's, you know, I. but I do like Kalen DeBoer's track record. I like what he's done offensively. I thought it hurt that he lost his offensive coordinator. I wonder how that will go in the transition. So I just have a, a lot of questions about this program and how he will fit into the SEC. And also I had questions anyway, even if Nick Saban would have come back. I know Alabama made the playoff, but I, I just wonder offensively, I'm looking for playmakers. And Jalen uh, Milrose a playmaker, but I don't know who else is. Well, it's funny you bring up that Gibbs because they had – they had, they had some good playmakers. They were just young, and I don't think they knew when and how to step up at the time when Gibbs was able to step in, um, and then they were kind of able to grow a little bit. Portions of the program brought to you by our good friends at uh, Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination, cctis.com, cctis.com. I guess I should say something different so that I would throw a big wrench in it. And it's a great argument, but Caleb, I can't go any other direction than Alabama or at Oklahoma. I will go at Oklahoma, even though, you know, I'm not a big uh, Brent Venables guy. I think what this underscores is that Tennessee's two most challenging games 
John differs on this a little bit, so we might want to give him the final word. Have question marks at coaching right now. I'm not sold on Venables. I'm not sold on DeBoer. But that's a pretty good position for Tennessee to be in, considering they were the coaching joke just four years ago. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Oklahoma specifically because my pick of Alabama wasn't uh, about Alabama itself. It was about Oklahoma. John, I just think Oklahoma was not that good of a team last year. I think it's I think it's a massively overrated team. I think they cashed in on a very weak Big 12, as did Texas. And I know, I know, everybody's going to – everybody keeps coming at me when I say this. Well, Texas beat Alabama in September. And it's like that was not you got the voice, John. Consider yourself very lucky when you get that. That that was that was not the same Alabama team that ended up making the college football playoff. We all know that. That was not a great Texas team, and that Oklahoma team was not that great either. They got a lucky win over Texas that they didn't really deserve. And I I I just gotta and I think Brent Venables makes a lot of look, John. He made a football IQ segment three times last year. He makes a lot of basic in-game mistakes. And I think when he gets to the SEC, that's going to get exposed more. And even though it's a road game, and I know Tennessee has so many issues on the road, we've seen it, we've all seen it with our eyes. Josh Hypo can pretend that it's not a thing, but Tennessee has problems on the road with this so, offense. But. So let me ask you this, John, along the lines of what Caleb's saying, if you're Adams University and you're hiring a coach, where would that Venable staff, and I'm talking the entire staff, where would that rank among coaching staffs in the SEC that you would hire? Fifth? Well, I mean, I just don't know the depth of Oklahoma's coaching staff. Um, Brent Venables, to me, was a very questionable hire. Agreed. I, I just, you know, he's been a really good defensive coordinator. Uh, so is Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, I So I really wondered about that hire, but I thought – I like the way Oklahoma bounced back last year from the 2022 season. Um, the thing about Oklahoma is that it always seems to have offensive playmakers. Yeah, it, it just it just does. It's one of the, it's kind of like Southern California with a better better track record overall uh, in that respect. Um, so, and, and I, that's why in big, in, in big games, I kind of like the team with the playmakers because everything kind of could balance out, be a tough, close game. And some guys are just going to make a play that turns a game. I think the jury's still out on Brent Venables and, uh, <laughs> you could go from being pretty good there at Oklahoma to being on the hot seat to being gone because Oklahoma will not put up with. Yeah, they're pretty good. Well, and, Think about it. Oklahoma had one, and you're jumping in the SEC too. So, I mean, what what seems yeah, like what seems good now in 14 months could be you're kicking rocks looking for a job. Well, I mean, Oklahoma fans weren't thrilled with uh, Lee, with Lincoln Riley. So let's just. Point I mean, this even out. though they were making the playoff, they won a championship. They haven't had a championship since Josh Heupel was their quarterback. So let's just point this out um, because, John, you can laugh at me because Tennessee almost hired him in 2017. But um, given what he's got, he's got an underrated, very experienced program this year that people think will compete for the ACC title. Could NC State be tougher than Oklahoma for Tennessee this year? 
Dave Doran. Dave Doran. Who are you taking, Dave Doran or Brent Venables? Never boring Dave Doran. Uh, I, I don't know who I would take in that chess match. Um, but again, I still like Oklahoma because of home field and because of the playmakers. I like NC State more than it got Grayson McCall at quarterback. It added some some other players in transfer portal that I think could be help, very helpful with this its offense. I do think when I start looking at the next game, if we get get past the Alabama um, Oklahoma debate, uh, then it's probably NC State. Uh, I think that's Tennessee's toughest game. But I think one of the things that comes out of this, the way we're talking about the schedule, I mean, I don't think anybody thought Tennessee had an overly rigorous schedule in 2023. That was one of the reasons I thought it could go 10 and 2. Um, now I look at this schedule kind of get the same vibe. I mean, this is not an overly demanding schedule uh, because, I mean, Alabama is still not what we think of as vintage Alabama. Yes, Georgia will probably be vintage Georgia. But once you get past that, I mean, if you set aside the program, the image you have of a program like with Oklahoma and Alabama, I mean, if those programs are at the top of the game, the top of their game, then the schedule is pretty daunting because you'd have to play three elite teams. But it's not that way now. Take one second, hit that like button. I pulled Derek's comment up because I wanted to get your take on what he said. Tennessee fans are going to find out we haven't met the talent gap. I, I don't see us beating Alabama. Hype's going to have to coach himself through another win. We're not going to beat Alabama by talent. I'm not sure that they did two years ago. Let me ask both John Adams and Caleb Calhoun that very question. Uh, stay tuned. More Off the Oak Sports with Caleb and John. I'm Deepak. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. 
The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. This also, according to our message board, narrative seems to be speaking of us playing Bama, that we've surpassed them in talent, maybe Tim, uh, maybe Tim chemistry, but not talent yet. I think that's a bit premature, John, to say that Tennessee has caught Alabama in terms of talent, but I think we have to readjust with the way we look at talent. This is not one to 85 anymore. This is one to about 35 or 40. And I think that's doable nearly on an annual basis, maybe two years at the most. Well, uh, Alabama's depth of depth of talent is what separated it from so many programs. And it's hard to maintain that kind of depth in the transfer portal era. Uh, George is doing it probably as well as anybody. So is Ohio State. But I thought that was a huge loss for Alabama and a very significant one with Caleb Downs transferring to Ohio State. Wow. I mean, that's like, yeah, I think Ohio State would be an upgrade for me. And I'm sure he got plenty of money. But it's just the idea that somebody would leave Alabama for anywhere, I thought was very telling. When I look at Tennessee's talent level, I would still say, yeah, Alabama, and this is based on, I'm not staring at the depth chart and saying this guy's better than that guy. Alabama's just history on defense. I think Alabama will have more talent on defense in Tennessee. That's not a stretch at all. But I think offensively, I'm not when you look at the starters, I don't know that Alabama's as talented as Tennessee. And part of that is because I be, believe Nico will be a star player that he can match up with uh, Jalen Milrow. Alabama's running backs, they have some young guys that might step up this year, uh, but they're just okay. They're not elite running backs from uh, their experienced guys. So wide receivers, Tennessee's wide receivers can play with them in a real uh, significant factor too, offensive line. Alabama's offensive lines just haven't been that great lately, and I think Tennessee's got a lot of experience coming back. It could be a team strength. It went from six weeks ago to like, uh oh, that could be an issue to now it, with what they brought in with Hurd and Cooper staying. That's a, that's a team strength. Uh, Caleb, I want to get your thoughts on that as well. Portions of the program brought to you by our good friends at the Hemp House, Premier Hemp Dispensary Online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Hemp House Chat with two T's.com. Hemp House Chat with two T's.com. Did I just hear what I thought I heard? And that was John Adams saying that Tennessee's starting talent might be as good or better than Alabama's. That's crazy. Well, let's put that and quote me correctly on that. Okay. I said often. Never misparaphrase somebody. (laughs) Okay. John said offense. Okay. I said offense. (laughs) <laughs> I think 
we are now in an era where college football I don't want to say Tennessee's starting talent is better than Alabama's on offense if you look at like who's going to have more uh, like more NFL success. But I do think we're in an era where college football is very much like college basketball, guys. Every single year for the past 15 years, John Calipari has had the most talented team in college basketball. If you looked at who's going to the NBA. That doesn't mean that his starting five was better than other teams starting five, though, because they were freshmen. They weren't experienced. There wasn't a lot of chemistry. That's why he's only got one national championship and I think twice as many NBA draft picks as every other coach in the history of college basketball. I mean, it's an insane stat. So I think we're getting that way with college football, where do I think there's more talent on Alabama's offense than Tennessee's? Yes. But do I think Tennessee starters as a cohesive unit are better than Alabama's? Yes, because I think now chemistry is outweighing things. And but with Nico, with Nico, yes, okay. chemistry is outweighing things. And you saw this, by the way, with Michigan's national title. I don't know if you guys, Dave. I told you, John. I don't know if you know this. Michigan last year with their NIL collective decided let's pour all our efforts into keeping this team together that we just built that just went to the playoff, and they did that, and that's why they they beat Alabama because they were the more disciplined team in that game. Okay, but- let, let me ask you this. We could debate this year, and we're going to see this year in just a few short months. But as for the DeBoer future, John, I'll go ahead and share with you. I've shared uh, off the air. I I, I don't – I'm impressed with what he's done to this point in his career. I think that any coach would fail in this type of scenario. Um, I don't think that Alabama is equipped to pay NIL as they should be. Um, because of the Saban discount, I just think this is a perfect storm of disaster. And Kalen DeVore may go on to win a national championship somewhere else, but I don't think it's going to work out at Alabama. You, however, like the hire from talking to you earlier, and, and you said that was a pretty good hire. What are your thoughts? I think it was a pretty good hire. It's not a, a Saban-like hire. Mm. Alabama had the best of both worlds when it had Nick Saban. Alabama can recruit to its tradition and its history, but other players went, not everybody went to Alabama because it's Alabama. Some of them went to Alabama because of Nick Saban, his, his status, his statue. I I just think that was a factor. So uh, I think, I think that's one of the reasons for success at Ole Miss right now. I think players go to Ole Miss because of Lane Kiffin. Now, he doesn't have the same program that he would at Alabama, but I think he attracts a lot of players, Uh, just his reputation. I think he's fun to play for. But I think with Nick Saban, you had a guy, he had such a, he had a really good track record with players. And I think former players really helped sell recruits on Alabama and on what Nick Saban could do for them. So it wasn't just Alabama. It's Nick. I don't think in this transitional period you can do that as well. So even though I like Kayla's a hire, um, I don't expect him to do what Nick Saban did. I think Alabama will be good, but it won't be a dynasty. So, uh, Kayla, let me turn this on you. So if I put the. Um, championships on zero one or multiple where would you put it i'm at zero um for the nil and because i'm not as i'm not 
as high on Kalen DeBoer. I want to ask you guys this question. Let, let's go with like four options here, almost poll question style. But Alabama will be will enter a slow decline. They will decline immediately. I mean, like just be bad this year and like what's they bad? will. What's bad? Yeah, what's a decline? I mean, yeah, what's bad? Okay, Alabama will enter a slow decline, meaning like we're saying like maybe nine or ten wins this year, and then six or seven in the year after, and if, you know, down, a couple of years down the road. Okay, that's but as slow far decline. as this year, for, as for far this, as this year, your question, it, they're in the hunt for the college football playoff. They're yes, in that discussion far, at the end of December. I'm yes, sorry, they're in the hunt. Yes. They're in the hunt this year. That's one option. Another option is they're not even in the hunt this year, and then they just collapse. Another option is Mass they're riot. not in the hunt. DeBoer is no longer with us. I'm sorry? Mass riot. Kalen DeBoer is no longer with us. <laughs> no, no. Third option <laughs> is that Alabama is not in it this year, but they actually have a comeback in the next couple of years when Kalen DeBoer gets his players in his program rolling. I don't think that's likely, but I'm just saying, throwing that possibility. Or fourth, they just maintain what they've been doing. <laughs> I think it's I think it's like my wife does with the air fryer. She can cook a steak better than me. It's going to be a slow burn to mediocrity, just like she cooks my steaks. And I think that you're going to see it this year where they're going to be in the hunt and Alabama fans are going to be like, oh, it's okay. We're good here. And they're going to be at around nine wins. And then I think it's going to slowly go downhill. John, if I made you predict. Well, I think... What Caleb said, I, I think there's a Caleb DeBoer needs to get established there and what he does with his offensive system. And I think he can recruit to that. Uh, I'm not sure Alabama will be in the playoff hunt this year. Oh, so you think I, this could be an immediate drop off? Yeah, but I, but I still think it could be better, perhaps better than you guys are saying long term. Um, okay. So that's the option like, I gave you. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, uh, this season when I, I look at Alabama's talent and I, I look at Ole Miss's talent and I look, I look at Tennessee, um, does Alabama play Texas again or does it play Oklahoma? I've forgotten. Uh, anyway, uh, I just, I just think. John, it, it begs I mean, the question. While Caleb's looking that up, would Tennessee fans rather see Lane Kiffin win or Alabama lose? They play Oklahoma, by the way. Okay. I mean, that's – yeah, that could be a tough game, too, for for Alabama. I, I just think uh, if you had the SEC West, uh, forget about Oklahoma and Texas. Forget about uh, non-divisional, just one giant conference – as we have now, uh, if they had the West, I mean, I would say to me, Alabama could finish third. I would do favor you, Ole Miss to win that division. Do you get the feeling not, I hate it when people say fans say this, cause you could say that about anything, right? Fans say the sky is red today and there's meteors falling. It's black hole sun by sound garden all over again, mass chaos, dogs and cats living together. You could say fans say anything. But I hear media types, and I'm not talking about you, John. I respect your opinion. But just that think this Kalen DeBoer thing is going to be a naturally good hire, that even the most educated Alabama fan says, no, I'm not expecting seven championships, but 
well, at least two or three. <laughs> I mean, it just feels like that one is a given for this guy is the perception. I mean, one's pretty damn hard. I mean, I hate to tell everybody this, but it's not easy to win a national championship. I, I really think this could be quite comparable. And it goes back to just the history of sports. Replacing a legend is extraordinarily difficult and it usually doesn't go well. You can can take any sport and that's not an unfavorable assessment of Kalen DeBoer. I just think that's universal. Uh, I think the Alabama could become under Kalen DeBoer what it was under Gene Stallings. He won one national championship. He had a great defense in 1992. It wasn't a, the competition wasn't strong, uh, favorable schedule. And he won that national title by beating a Miami team that was probably overrated. Um, I could seek that happening, but it would be harder in the playoff era. So yeah, he might, I'm not ruling out. He could win a national championship there, but I just think the idea, I just think Alabama, what it hopes for is to have a good program, uh, contend for championships right now. I don't think, you just don't pick up where you left off when you lose a Nick Saban. It just doesn't happen. It didn't happen when you lost Bear Bryant. It won't happen now. Okay. Oh, Caleb, by the way, Dave, Dave, my cats and dogs got along great. So you might want to clip that from your scenario. Sorry about that. Caleb. Yeah. yeah Caleb, that's, that's my thing. If you're Alabama, you just don't want to slip to Billy Napier, Florida. Is my goal. <laughs> yeah, I think following the I think I think the concept of following a legend has to do it is very I, I'm just sorry, I disagree with you too. I think it just has a lot to do with I think we as humans subconsciously create patterns out of things. That's why people believe in zodiac signs or horoscopes or whatever. And I think the I think the following a legend thing is us creating a fake pattern. I think the truth of the matter is most coaching hires fail. Period. They just seem oh, to be more magnified when they follow a legend. Like the whole, there are more three stars in the Super Bowl than there are five star prospects because there are yeah, more exactly. There, because yeah. there's more three stars in general. Yeah, so they're like, oh, this is proof that recruiting rankings don't mean anything. No, they still mean a lot. So yeah, I I never really bought into the following a legend. Now I think that there could be factors because a coach is following a legend that messes things up. I.e., I think the problem with Alabama. Bear Bryant was such a legend. Alabama thought that they could hire anybody who, like, again, you know, touched Bear Bryant's pants, was qualified to be a head coach at Alabama for 40 years, 20 years. That's good news for his secretary. I I don't think Bear Bryant would let people touch his pants. (laughs) Bear Bryant, I'm sorry. I'm going to fashion police him. He could have matched that houndstooth hat better with some of the outfits he wore. He could have. Way to Um, get him. But... (laughs) You know, spinning, spinning in his grave. And Home, Homeboy was clearly on some of the sauce when he was trying to figure out how to match uh, the hat with the jacket. A couple yeah, I of think times. he was clearly on some of the sauce when he went to like uh, I don't know, kindergarten. Uh, all right, <laughs> why the Lady Vols should not hire a coach with Lady Vol ties if they decide to make a change. Not that we've decided to make that change already for them, but pretty close. He's John Adams with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Explorer. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com.
Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, tennis evolved collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas, the most comfortable spas made in the United States of America, right here in East Tennessee. Drop in for the all-new showroom in Athens, Dynasty Spas, perfect for all four seasons. Four Downs, presented by Off the Hook Sports. And mention Off the Hook Sports, you get $500 off the spa you choose. Got a lot of examples of coaches that have gone on to coach their alma mater or a coaching position they might have ties to. Of course, that's happened with the Lady Vols. Coop, let's jump in the hot tub and talk for a moment. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. No Lady Vols present. Sorry about that. First down, Coop. Coop here. First down. Uh, Generally, John, what's your take on – players or coaches that return home and uh, try to resurrect a program. Your, your thoughts on, on how that works or doesn't work throughout your career. Well, it can work. Uh, it just depends on who the coach is. Um, but overall, I, I think how you have to go about that. If you limit yourself in any way in a coaching search, you're in trouble. Uh, Caleb, uh, Caleb pointed out earlier that he doesn't believe – Caleb doesn't believe there are hardly any good coaches out there. And there are more bad ones than good ones. So I think when you limit yourself in any way, you're hurting yourself. You can't say, we gotta, we've got to get a Lady Vol. We've got to get somebody with Pat Summit ties. No, um, that is total bullshit. Yeah, I, I think you have stuff. to – you know, and you also can say – we want to have uh, a woman coaching a women's basketball game team. Uh, you just got to get the best coach. That's so you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, don't limit yourself. 
Uh, so I think Tennessee has it didn't have any choice when it when it made the transition after Pat became ill. It had to go to Holly Warlick. There was no real option there. That was an incredibly difficult situation. Uh, but Holly Warlick w- took the team to three elite eights and won a higher percentage of her games than Kelly Harper has. Kelly makes a great presentation. She's very articulate. She's good on camera. And uh, she's much loved for playing on three national championship teams. But the program needs to progress more than it has. Um, if, if you, if, if for anyone who aspires to Tennessee being in the championship picture again, uh, I think this team has talent. I think it's underachieved with its record, uh, so far, but it could finish strong. It's playing better now. It could beat, uh, it could upset LSU. That's not out of the question. Uh, but again, do you see it going further than the sweet 16? No, not really. Let me uh, kick that to Caleb. Coop, what down? Cooper Mays here. Second down. All right, Caleb. What do you got with Coop? Yeah, so, John, I brought up this topic because, as you see, Penny Hardaway is really, really struggling at Memphis right now. With what, and they hired him only because he's a legend at Memphis. Uh, now, they did have success. I'm from there. They did have success with Larry Finch when they hired him as a legend back in the 90s, but it was, um, but still, it's very dangerous. And then Michigan is... Juwan Howard is all but a dead man walking at Michigan uh, right now. And the problem with those two hires is they were only hired because they were legends, not even because of their qualifications. My issue with hiring a legend is it's not that to me, legends don't work out. Is I want to know your take on this. I feel like legends get a longer leash than they should probably get. If they don't work out. I think the problem is if you hire a legend and they don't work out, you are willing to let them run your program all the way into the ground before you do what's necessary to fire them. Now, I know he revitalized Tennessee, but I felt that they gave Johnny Majors too long of a leash in the 70s and 80s. Oh, Lord, I can tell you as a fan they did. Uh, back in the day when I was a young 10, 12-year-old, I was ready for them to to make the change for sure. Do you think, uh, if, I, if I may pair this into second now, do you think the Lady Balls have given either Warlick or Harper too long? Uh, perhaps it, but, but it depends on what you want the program to be and see, I'm not sure. I don't know what Danny white is. AD wants the program to be Danny white. Wasn't here when Pat summit was reigning supreme in women's basketball. So I think he has a different view of it. It is really, it is really hard to envision what that was. The fact that in Knoxville, it was on the same parallel stage as a basketball team that a lot a lot of people thought was just going to make the final four in no time and a football team that was playing on top of its game people outside of Knoxville think that sounds crazy but there there's a lot of truth to that they were really on the same same level at that point yeah well it it first it was Tennessee and then it became Tennessee Connecticut in women's basketball UConn ultimately passed Tennessee but if you weren't here for that, uh, you may be Danny White. Is, I mean, he looks at the team as going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's making the Sweet 16. It's winning 20 games. I think in evaluating a program, you have to compare the program, what it is currently, to what it was, what is its history. That's why I, I'm so impressed with Tony Vitello in Tennessee baseball. 
I mean, it was one of the worst programs in the SEC for quite a while, not just a short run. And he's turned it into a national powerhouse. That, to me, is is a great way to measure a program, compare it to its history in any sport. And I agree. so I give him a lot of credit for that. And, and I think I, I think with the women's basketball program, I, I just don't know. I I don't see Danny White making a change. I think next year maybe the program didn't make the NCAA tournament. Then that's a possibility. But I just don't know what his expectations are for women's basketball at Tennessee. I think that's a very fair question. I want to ask this down. Um Via Cooper. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. If you skipped Tennessee, third down, Dave, by the way. You skipped straight over third down. down. Bad, bad officiating by Dave right there. <laughs> oh, that's like the uh, Georgia – that's like the uh, Colorado-Missouri game when Colorado got a fifth got a fifth down and ended up winning but the this national is the championship. <laughs> this is the reverse. We're going backwards in time. This is like the Benjamin Buttons of Lions crew. Um, so, John, do you um, – uh, well, what do you think Tennessee expects out of this? In other words, does Tennessee expect something than a Rick Barnes career out of its Lady Balls crew, which would be one run to the women's Final Four and a bunch of regular season success? Let me ask you that in 60 seconds, brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Imagine having the best spas made right here in the United States of America in your backyard dynasty pools and spas their showroom is open in athens right off the interstate you can stop by and check out the best hot tubs and spas in the market and delivery yes they can do that's knoxville or chattanooga they've got complete support spa cover and chemicals to keep your spa bubbling at its best they also have pool chemicals as well dynasty pools and spas amazing discounts for first responders military and even some blemish models that can save you a ton and no one will ever notice mention off the hook sports get five hundred dollars off mention off the hook sports get five hundred dollars off dynasty pools and spas go to dynasty pools and spas.com or stop by that showroom in athens dynasty pools and spas.com dynasty pools and spas so, John, let me clean that question up for you, and I'll get to Caleb about it. Does Tennessee expect a perennial national championship winner or contender? I'm not sure it expects either one. I just think right now my guess would be it expects you to make the NCAA tournament, win more than 20 games, be competitive in the SEC, and uh, that's good enough. Now, I don't know what the – the longtime followers of the program and maybe some boosters expect of the program. But I think that's kind of the administrative stance right now. You hey, gave look. go. I mean, I'm just, I want to add that Kelly Harper got a contract extension last year. So that was like job. Well done. You made this sweet 16. Nice. Good. Nice job. Uh, keep on having more success. That, that speaks volumes to me. Has but, to eat her. Caleb thoughts. But, but, but yeah, I, I, guys, I'm really convinced that that's because she's played at Tennessee. I don't think it has anything to do with lack of care about the women's Audrey. basketball program. I think it's because she played at Tennessee. The problem is Tennessee keeps hiring former players. And if they go this route again and they go hire Carol Lawson, 
say they move on from Kelly Harper and they hire Carol Lawson, they're going to find themselves in the same situation if Lawson doesn't work out. The issue is that they can't bring themselves to branch beyond the Lady Vols. And then when they do hire a Lady Vol and she doesn't work out, they can't bring themselves to make the necessary move to fire them. Well, let me That's let me it. ask John this. Let me ask John this question. Cooper will close us on fourth down. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. Um, is this more about hiring a lady Vol or Danny Watt being a businessman? I'll be the first. I think it's Danny Watt being a businessman. I don't think he sees the nostalgia around the Lady Vols program. I think he sees that statue, and it's just a statue when he drives past Pat Summit statue next to Thompson Bowling. I don't think he sees that. I think as a businessman, we at Off the Oaks Sports have had to make difficult decisions that I didn't want to make. That's what he sees it as. I don't think it's as much, Caleb, as you do, the former Lady Vols. I think it's just being a businessman. But, John, you first, and then Caleb. I think in the past it had to do uh, perhaps more. The hire of Kelly Harper, Philip Fulmer was the, was the AD at the time. Uh, you know, he listened. He said he listened to uh, people that had been there a while, uh, female administrators who knew the program. And they said, you got to hire somebody with Tennessee ties. You got to hire Lady Vaughn. So he did that. I don't think he really was, you know, he, he was more concerned about making the right hire in football. And we saw how that worked out. But uh, I, I think Danny White, I agree with you, Dave. I don't think Danny White has any sentimentality about this. He doesn't think of it. With, I think he looks at it as a business. This is a, not a huge revenue producer. And I think he compares it. He looks at it as he does his other programs. Make so, the postseason. You're in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that's good. You won 20 games uh, last year when he gave Kelly Harper a contract extension. She won 25 games. She was third in, in the SEC, and she beat LSU, the eventual national championship. So that's fine. Move on to another sport. But, John, um, I mean, I, I – and I just want to ask you, you've covered programs for a long, but let's get away from women's basketball for a minute. Football, Tennessee, we just said it with Johnny Majors. Haven't you covered a lot of football programs that have stuck weight? And, and I just said Memphis basketball with Penny, Michigan basketball with Jawan. It's, it's, have, haven't you covered a lot of programs that have just ridiculously stuck with coaches for way too long because they coached at the program or played at the program? I think that can be a factor. It has happened before. I mean, I think Johnny Major's situation, I wasn't here when he was hired, but, I mean, he was a proven coach and a, a proven rebuilder of programs, uh, and he struggled at Tennessee, but I think there were a lot of factors uh, involved in that struggle, and, and it worked out long-term. But, uh, yeah, you're right. There are some – I think there is a tendency. Uh, you could argue that – to me, <clears throat> excuse me, You've got to understand what do you want the program to be. If you think all of your programs, if I were an AD, I would I would hire coaches with the idea I expect you to compete for a national championship. Now, there's so many variables in that. Winning a national title is difficult, but if you make in the College World Series, I, I mean, I'm not going to say, oh no, that's not good enough. You got to win it all one time. No, if you're making the College World Series in baseball, that's great. I would expect that when I make any coaching hire, I expect you to contend for championships. And I don't see why you would hire anybody 
with any other criteria other than that. I, you have a lot of resources here at Tennessee. So, but it ha, it should have nothing to do. Tennessee could have hired Louisville's coach, Jeff Walls, when it hired Kelly Hart. There's no doubt in my mind. He wanted the job. Hiring, it was simple. He turned Louisville, what was Louisville basketball before he went there? But Tennessee yeah. had no interest in him. He's a he's a high profile coach. Uh, he's he's good on camera. He's good in interviews, and he wins. And he built a program from scratch. So he was right there. And Tennessee, no, nah, we want to get one of our own. One of the things that's interesting about the women's basketball program at Tennessee, think of all the great players that Pat Summit had. Yeah. I mean, you could All keep hiring coaches. Did, you could keep hiring coaches till the end of time. How many team took a final four, team to the final four? As a coach, one, I mean, every four-year player almost made one. Yeah. What? But I oh, mean, like this the, was the 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 former players as coaches. Yeah. Who's gone to final four? No. Yeah. No. That's fair. I mean, but this was, again, this is, it was very, you know, Neil and look at his coaching tree of football players after he coached and Bobby Dye was great, but Tennessee hired Harvey Robinson and then Bowden Wyatt. And they stuck with Bowden Wyatt for 10 years and they should have fired him after three, honestly. John, and, we're going to check your uh, Bowden Wyatt knowledge. Um, where can we hear you on the World Wide Web? Well, you can hear me on SEC Unfiltered. It's our knoxnews.com website uh, with, Blake Totmar and I do an SEC podcast weekly, and you can read my my column there and, and I, in the Knoxville News Sentinel. Throwing heat, John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. We certainly appreciate him. Caleb Tennessee's one of their two. So, who is who is the who's the best legend to ever work out at a program? Is it Steve Spurrier or Jim Harbaugh between the two, or who who else? Has to be Spurrier because he won the Heisman too. Bear Bryant was a legend at Alabama, though, but he was a former player, not a legend. I don't know if that counts. But Yeah, but, I mean, when you win a national championship and a Heisman, that, to me, would be bigger than two national championships. By the way, what birthday gal guy would you most want to kick it with today? Cindy Crawford gets 43% of the, the vote. Charles Barkley gets 57% of the vote. I'm taking Barkley, no question. The Vols are taking an assistant coach. We're going to break them both down right now. Linebackers coach, William Inge. Now, on the surface, I don't expect you to know if he's a great recruiter, if he's a great assistant coach or any of that, if he has aspirations of being a head coach, if he's um, a real up-and-comer, or if he's happy being an assistant. What I will tell you, though, is he was reportedly headed to Alabama where he'd reunite with Kalen DeBoer. So this goes back to my contention that everything is burning down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and the future will, will determine whether or not I'm right, Caleb, and whether or not that's a good hire. But as for right now, can you imagine, possibly imagine, four years ago, a coach making this move, vice versa, Tennessee in total, total disarray. The University of Alabama is in the middle of one of the greatest championships in sports history, and now here we are four years later where Inge turns down the University of Alabama and goes to the University of Tennessee instead. That says a lot, my friend. Yeah, it's a huge deal. Um, 
I I was bullish on it more yesterday. I'm going to, and I wanted to know your take on your read on this, though. Could it be possible that he's just salty about the fact that he's getting a demotion at Alabama because he was a defensive coordinator at Washington and Fresno State, and then Kayla DeBoer went and hired two co-defensive coordinators, and neither one of them was him? And so could it be the fact that he's salty that he's getting a demotion, so he decided to up and leave? Well, or would you still stay at Alabama for your future? Sure, sure. But he, he could all be also see also be salty that they just blew everything up at Washington. He could be salty about the fact that he knows a lot of his guys that he's going to coach at Alabama that are future NFL stars could go elsewhere. I mean, there are a lot of things to get salty about. But if you go back four years ago, I don't care if you're salty or not about the way you might have been handled by then head Alabama coach Nick Saban. He just hired people willy-nilly and would let them go or make them an analyst if he didn't like them. Now Tennessee's pulling them from Alabama. So I think it's significant regardless if he was felt jilted by DeBoer. And he probably did. I mean, DeBoer has had to replace his replacements on two or three different occasions. Yeah, that's where I was going too. And so I think it's half and half. I think you're right. I think he's a little salty that he was demoted. But if this were four years ago, he may have been salty he was demoted, but he still would have stayed at Alabama and not gone to Tennessee, right? Probably because have he, Alabama like a tattoo on his shoulder because the programs were in such different uh, places. Now he's had coaching stops at Iowa, Northern Iowa, Colorado, San Diego State, Cincinnati, University of Buffalo, Buffalo Bills, and Indiana. I'm a firm believer that recruiting is a relationship business. If you know how to build relationships, you'll be successful. But I will say this: that list doesn't exactly blow me away as far as places that he has recruited a uh, rick terry jewelry design will blow you away with their jewelry looking for affordable game day jewelry how about the fire opals the tennessee tradition rick terry jewelry.com rick terry jewelry.com so it's not like he's got a garner type of list where he's been at auburn and all these other places where you would expect great ties in the south that being said it's not to say that he can't do it no, he can absolutely do it. Um, I think that, and I think we talked about this a while ago, inside linebackers is kind of a position you do want them coaching up guys a little bit. And I think, look, a lot of people are so obsessed with the SEC ties in recruiting. Yes, you need guys on your staff with SEC ties, but you need guys. You don't need everybody on your staff to have SEC ties. And, and I think that's really, really overrated when you really think about it. I mean, I think I think you need... I don't know, four or five guys. Jeremy Pruitt had the most SEC tied staff of all time. Derek Dooley had a pretty SEC tied staff. And how'd that work out? Couldn't even get Von Bell out of Chattanooga. Yeah, I, I think it I think it really depends. Um I would like to have SEC ties as opposed to not. Wouldn't you prefer not? And I'm not just hey, talking how many about... SEC ties did Nick Saban have before he took over at LSU? Uh wouldn't None, but I'd have to go back Zero. and look at his coaching staff. Um, I would have to look at his coaching staff to see what ties. No, but I, I agree with you. I think it's a relationship uh, type business. Um, really, the ones, the schools that I would most want to have coaching ties, and it's not to the individual high school coaches and recruiters. It's to the, I would like to have a coaching tie that I coached with 
uh, somebody at Georgia who somebody calls me and just says, Hey, here's the deal with this, uh, this, this guy, Georgia, we don't think we're good enough, but we're going to, um, tell you that, uh, he's, he, he's good enough to play for you. Those are the kinds of ties I would like to have. So you can pick up some high three star to low four star guys. Maybe Georgia doesn't want. Well, the other underrated part though, is people need to remember this just because a person coached at a school that does not necessarily mean that's where their recruiting ties were. Schools have you responsible for recruiting different areas. So, I mean, just to throw this out there, when Tennessee hired Lane Kiffin in 2009, whatever you want to think about him, everybody thought California ties. Well, guess what? When Lane Kiffin was at USC, he was responsible for recruiting Florida, right? So guess what he had? A lot of Florida ties. And so I think that, you know, just because a guy coached at Indiana doesn't mean he wasn't recruiting the South. And I think that's something I don't think the school you're coaching at is as big of a deal as where you have been responsible for recruiting. If you want to talk ties to a region, I'll tell you what you want. You want my thoughts, Caleb. It's the most important thing is how whoever the coach is in this case is inch meshes with banks. I think that's what you wanted. If he can mesh with banks and that may just be doing everything that he says to do in the beginning, Caleb, but you've got to, you got to mesh mesh with banks, right? Oh, I agree. I have a conspiratorial question, and you can tell me if I'm crazy. Do you think part of the reason Tennessee went for Inge was to was specifically to get the narrative out there that they hired a guy away from Alabama? No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think people do that sort of thing as often as you do. I, I think that. It doesn't hurt that that's a little bonus. I think, you know, you, you, I mean, I covered Butch Jones who was obsessed with narrative. So that's where I get these stories. So that's true. That's true. That's, that's, that's a very good possibility. Uh, My question is this, is Tennessee in a better position at linebackers coach now with Inge than they were, were with Jean Marie? I can't really answer that question at this point. Um, and I think it's just key that he steps in and he's a really, really good, uh, recruiter. He replaces, uh, Brian Jean Marie. I think a lot of that defensive front is handled by Rodney Garner and to some extent, uh, defensive coordinator, Tim Banks. I think you just absolutely need to be a dogged recruiter. And don't forget, this is new defensive assistant coach. Uh, this is the first one hired under Josh Heupel since he assembled his original staff. So you got to make sure that Tim Banks knows what he's doing. Cause I was told that Tim Banks called the shots and getting Inge on board. And you don't want to start off your, your first project as the, the head coach is seeing if you can do this to, to not doing a good job at that. Kid. Yeah, no, that's very true. And, and let's be fair. William Inge has experience as a defensive coordinator in the past and he's actually coached special teams. And I think there's a little bit of variety there. I think that, you know, there is some importance to having a guy, another guy on your staff that can court that has, that has coordinating experience that could help Tim Banks out a little bit. I think that, um, I think the other part that'll help his experience is going up against Kalen DeBoer's offense so much that he is going to be used to coaching complimentary football to tempo and the spread and things like that, which is kind of a big deal. And again, I think schematically your defensive backs coach 
your defensive coordinator and your inside linebackers coach are the three most important coaches on your defensive staff from us that, that help develop the scheme. Right. I, I love Rodney Garner. I don't think he develops any scheme. He teaches his guys how to, how to leverage and then he recruits. Is that fair to say? Yes. No, I think it's completely fair to say. Yeah. And Mike Eckler barely coaches. He tells his guys to run after the quarterback. And so I think your inside line, there's not a lot of, okay. I guess there's some stunts up front that the defensive line does. That's fair to say, but for the, uh, you know, that's, Oh, you, you rush around this edge instead of this edge. We, 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 we make it sound very sophisticated when we say stunts, right? It's really, you run this way. Or this well, way no, I think that, no, I've, I think it's a little more complicated than that, but I do think that it's going to be up to Tim Banks in year number one to make sure the messages are conveyed. I don't think you're just going to hand it off to a new linebackers coach in year number one. Well, yeah, I'm not. Well, yeah, I was debating in my head about what Rodney Garner coaches a defensive line, though. I'm talking about stunts by the defensive line. I don't think those stunts are that complicated. It's, oh, you either rush around the edge or you rush up the middle or you loop. I don't think there's that, or you delay your rest there's not a, there, there's not like three or four different things you could do as a as a defensive lineman on a plane that's about it pretty, pretty much true. anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming offer a solution utilize cutting edge ai imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Can we, uh, can we pull up our uh, Patreon page for a moment so I can tell people what we're going to give away? It's brought to you by Sports Treasures, carrying over 5 million sports treasures, so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. Go to Facebook.com and go to Sports Treasures TN. That's Sports Treasures TN. So uh, we've had a drawing for everybody that's been on board the Patreon page who has already signed up. We'll continue to give prizes away each and every Friday. So I'll go ahead and put the link up right there. We'll also have some expanded coverage, Caleb, if you want to tell us some about that that's already up, including uh, an, an interesting piece by uh, Josh Ward. Also, five things you should know about individual signees, recruiting coverage through the roof uh, with our thoughts on some of Tennessee's signees. So definitely a lot there. We would appreciate you supporting the show and supporting the program. And then we have a big prize on March the 1st. This uh, guy named Hendon Hooker was nice enough to sign a mini helmet for us. So as long as you get signed up by the end of the month, we'll take care of you. 
uh, go ahead and do it now because I'm in the mood to give stuff away and I've been doing that. And Caleb has agreed to write an additional three columns a day on um, Hooker's Corner, our Patreon group. Is that accurate? I have. <laughs> there you go sign up today and increased uh recruiting coverage you want to scroll through that can you on your end i don't know if you can yeah, on sure. your scroll there down you. yeah scroll through some of the stuff we got so we've got uh things to know about 2024 signee kaylin lindstrom which is kellen lindstrom kellen lindstrom kellen excuse me uh which is by uh caleb drew i made those together and then uh, keep scrolling down. We've got um, my thoughts every once in a while. I'll put there on uh, a new poll question. What are your thoughts? And also a Sunday night poll question that we were able to put up there. New column idea. What are you thinking? Today I'm going to be working on uh, how uh, one Josh Heupel has compared to recruiting upper level prospects since he has been at Tennessee, I'm talking about the high three, four star and five star guys. So check it out. We'd love for you to sign up again. It's on the message board. You can go right to it, sign up. You can win a Hendon hooker, mini autographed helmet. That is fantastic. All right, Caleb. So we, we broke down this one guy, William Inge or Ing, if you like his grocery stores, Ingles, do you have those in other places like Baltimore, Maryland? I'm a Trader Joe's guy myself. So Trader Joe's, Darrell Sims will not Darrell Tennessee's running ta- attack, will he? Their newest uh, assistant coach, coaching running backs, and I got to be honest with you, I like this upgrade considerably. What do you think about Darrell Sims? This is one thousand percent about recruiting. And it's what we said running backs coaches should be about. And here's the big standout for me. Jerry Mack is gone. Now, for those who don't know, Jerry Mack coached in Mississippi. He's from Memphis and he coached in Arkansas. So basically the Mid-South area, right? To recruit. That was his area. Tennessee just said, screw that area. We're going to re we're going to redouble our efforts in the East Coast and the Big Ten East area. So um Darrell Sims over the past three years has coached at Cincinnati and Louisville basically Ohio recruiting right but because Louisville they recruit Ohio right more than anywhere else oh yeah 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 Yeah. so Ohio recruiting is that focus outside of that I would say South, South- Car- I would say that Louisville recruiting Ohio is kind of like South Carolina recruiting the Atlanta area how's that okay Fair long enough. shot so still- you'll get one every once in a while how about that right he also has coached at East Carolina, Western Carolina, and he's from South Carolina. So he has, and he's coached at James Madison when they won the FCS national title. So he really firmly supplants Tennessee's positioning in the Carolinas and Virginia, which is a bit, for the, for, for those who don't know history, we always talk about South Carolina. Tennessee's really relied on North Carolina and Virginia in the past heavily for talent. And you're not going to believe what I tell you that I love about this guy here in just a second. All right. Uh, you go and tell me my whole point is Darrell Mims gives Tennessee a direct tie to the Atlantic States in recruiting that are not in the sec outside of South Carolina, but okay. And some of the big 10 States, that's my, that's the big one for me. Yep. That's pretty good. Uh, and uh, Sims is going to have Dylan Sampson. Who's 
I mean, obviously he's not going to get the ball 45 times a game, but he's kind of going to be your 1A back. Cam Seldon, they love his ability. Khalifa Keith's going to be a power back. Peyton Lewis uh, will be your early enrollee as a freshman and local product Deshaun Bishop. They may go out and try to pick up another running back in the spring portal, I'm told. Uh, That's what I'm told. One of the things that Tennessee loves about Sims, he was the video coordinator at Carson Newman. Uh, And he, he was the running backs coach, but also the video coordinator. He's done it all. This guy's hungry. So this guy, if he makes a job, uh, if, if he makes what, $275,000 at this job, that's a ton of money for him. And that's probably a, the base of what he'll get paid. So kudos for him. I was told they love him uh, and, and how he's worked his way up the coaching ladder. And this is a hungry guy. No offense, but I feel like you have a hungrier guy as your running backs coach than you did just a few days ago. Is that uh, too hard, too harsh? I actually thought Jerry Mack was pretty hungry because he was considered a rising star in the coaching ranks. Um, I just didn't think he brought the same recruiting ties this guy brings. And now I, I agree with you. Darius Sims does seem like a hungry guy, but the guy's been a look. I don't want to be down on somebody. He hasn't been anything more than a running backs coach for over a decade at this point. So I'm done with that. I think some people need to know their role. Okay, but would you be if you were uh, if your role was a running backs coach for over a decade? Yeah, he's hungry in the sense of like Jerry Mackey probably wants to get to the NFL. Because if you are just stuck as a position coach, you don't want to be coaching college. Maybe you need to know your role. And that's what okay, it the is. Rock. As a running back's but, coach. Okay, fine. But he's going to try to get to the NFL at that point. Dave, if you were okay, if you were climbing the coaching ladder, you had aspirations and maybe have a head coach, you stay in college, right? But if you know you're a permanent, lifelong position coach, you're getting an NFL. You're going for the NFL job the first t- second it opens, right? Uh, kinda. I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, after seeing their schedule and I was visiting with someone about the coach's schedule, I might just go to the NFL, no matter what apex apparel, they do so much more than just apparel one-stop shop for all of your products, giveaways, your uniforms needed for your business. They've got spirit wear, uh, for a group apex apparel, 919, 3001, 919-3001 or your apex apparel group.com, your apex apparel.com again, your apex apparel.com. They are right below. So uh, the which one of these coaches do you like a little bit more as far as the pickup? What's the better upgrade over what Tennessee had? Well, William Ng is the better actual coach, but I, I just wanted to stick with Darius Sims on this. I think he's actually more important long-term because of recruiting. And I do think the recruiting ties matter um, a lot. Now, particularly he's from South Carolina. Dave, how much have we talked about the importance of recruiting South Carolina over the past 10, 15 years? Huge. And given what's happened at South Carolina themselves with Shane Beamer, given what's happening at Clemson with Dabo Sweeney, not he, nobody feels more underappreciated at his job in any place in, in America right now than Dabo Sweeney. And quite honestly, he has a point. I'm just going to be honest, and I don't know if you feel that way, Dave, but he has every right to get mad at fans who are going at him for it. And Uh, I think if Clemson doesn't falter, Dabo Sweeney will nuke that program on the way out and say, you guys should appreciate what you had. So I think, I think that leads to Sims being the, he, he's going to be able to help Tennessee raid South Carolina again. 
He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.